Good evening. It's Friday. The weekend is upon us and Fools Rush In is live. We have got, uh, a, well, a large panel of guests tonight um, ranging in opinions as much as they are ranging in ages. Uh, and before we say hello to each and every one of them, uh, we hope you've had a wonderful week. Let's roll the titles. Take my Take my whole life too But I can't help falling in love with you So we hope you've had a wonderful week, you're ready for the weekend ahead and uh, you're ready to kickstart that weekend by getting involved in uh, plenty of STFC related discussion. Uh, let's say hello and good evening to tonight's panel, starting with everyone's favourite fool. Good evening, Nick. Yeah, good evening, Fifey. How you doing? Very well, thank you, sir. Yourself? Yeah, good. I had a good week. Uh got over last Saturday so forgot about that and looking forward to tomorrow it's going to be a cracker I've got to ask you sir about uh what four or five hours ago we thought it was going to be me you and Ben tonight and now we've got a whole panel full of people are you relieved or were you looking forward to refereeing the heavyweight tussle well at one stage I thought it was you and Ben so I thought I'd better put my hand up and be referee because uh can't have you two arguing for two hours well even three hours so uh yeah, so it will be. Well, will it be calm? I don't know. Depends. Depends how <laughs> it goes. Way to go, yeah. yeah, long, long way to go. It's been a while since we've done a three-plus-hour show. Maybe we should. They seem to have become popular again. Well, you never know. You never know. <laughs> Next up, for for the longest time, he was considered a mythical creature, but now he has got the bug so much he is back again. Good evening to Gary. How are you, buddy? Evening, gents. All right. You're very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, living the dream. Good week? Again, 
yeah, not bad. Things been, been all right. Like Nick, as we got on Saturday. Good. Let's, let's move on. We're, we've uh, lots to talk about. We have plenty to talk about. You are right. Um, and plenty of people to talk about it with, including next up, the man of many podcasts. And uh, how did we describe him just off camera? Almost certainly, uh, what was it? He reeks of, uh, reeks of a Horlicks drinker. Uh, good evening, Ben. Screams Horlicks drinker. Screams Horlicks drinker. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, pal? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be all right, but I'm all right. An eventful day <laughs> in the old dials, old again. But good. Yeah, good. all good, good to go. Looking forward to the show. Um, I'm just going to interrupt quickly because I've seen Liam's comment here. Is this the live Winnie the Pooh watch along? I was literally just telling the guys about your tweets yesterday and showing them pictures because most of them didn't seem to know about this. Uh, I'm going to be sharing. If you haven't seen the thread on the lower league look last night, it's well worth a read. And uh, I want to uh, I want to point out to everyone that they need to watch the uh, Winnie the Pooh. Um, what was it? Death and Honey. No, Blood and Honey. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. It's It looks like it's going to be a class watch. Um, on the other hand, he says there's absolutely nothing wrong with Horlicks. So there you go, Ben. You've got someone backing you up. Um, where are we going next? We are going to uh, the self-proclaimed Oracle. Good evening, Woody. Good evening. Good evening. How are we? Very well, thank you, sir. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Now I've suddenly realised that that Winnie the Pooh is actually a film. Um, I told you it was an actual film. I thought when I saw it on when I saw the trailer on TikTok a while ago, I thought it was just like some guys having a bit of fun. But I've just googled it, and it's like an hour and forty minute film. Um, <laughs> and Leo's worth gonna... every minute. Yeah, I think it probably would be. But the um, uh, you're talking to somebody who grew up on like classics like Airplane and Hot Shots and stuff like that. Something tells me that a spoof of Winnie the Pooh isn't going to be quite up my street. Um, Don't knock yeah. it till you've tried it, Woody. Don't knock it till you've tried it. That's how I live my love life. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, so looking a... forward to tonight's show. I I wasn't planning to be on, and along with half of the cast tonight. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, yeah, lots to talk about, uh, but some positive stuff. Yes, it's going to be a very positive show today. I can feel it. Speaking of positive, someone who oozes positivity is Mr. Friday Nights himself. Evening, Joe. Friday night. Friday night. How's it going, fellas? Very well, thank you, sir. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Not a bad turnout, considering about an hour ago we had three. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Uh, same question for you. Good week. Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Um, yeah, can't complain. Good, good. Um, Liam's been back in touch. Uh, when I was young and watched Winnie the Pooh, I always knew something was missing. Murder was that thing. <laughs> he says. Oh, um, now, this is quite a... Um, we, we've got some, some OGs, you know, some original cast members. We've got some returning favourites. Uh, but what we really need to do, I think, to, to take Fools Rush into the next level is appeal to the younger generation. And to do that, we have called up two rising stars from the youth squad, including today's debutante. Welcome to Fools Rush In, uh, someone who's been in many a picture but never an episode. Evening, Georgia. Hi. <laughs> how are you? You right? Yeah, I'm good. How are you guys? Very, very well, thank you. You finally made it onto the screen? I did. 
and uh, I could see or I could tell you're very excited to be here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never felt more happy. Never felt more happy. Let, let's see if you're still saying that in a week's time when you're in America. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point, to be fair. You, you're going to America, Georgia? Yeah. We must hear more about it throughout the course of the evening. Just keep dropping little little nuggets of information in if you can. Okie doke. And uh, also from the youth team squad, arguably the youth team captain with the amount of appearances he's made. Welcome back, Jack. Hello, Fifey. How are you? I I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Consider yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he won't get it that's the problem you won't get you won't get it uh jack ben's looking a bit somber in one corner are you a bit chirpier in the other yeah i'm okay good good glad to hear it should we get straight into the uh the discussion then and uh swin and town in action this weekend uh hosting uh stockport who are in the uh, or very much in the playoff picture. Um, George, I'll come to you first as you're making a debut. Uh, are you looking forward to the game and are you optimistic for it? Um, I think it'll be a, a good game. The, the previous performances isn't great, not good run into the game, but I think we'll be all right. Okay, and um. I was listening to um, Ronan Darcy's pre-match and he comes, he at least came across, whether you believe it or not, that, that he and the, the squad of players still seem very confident. Are you confident that recent performances and results can be turned around and, and we can have a, a good end to the season? Um, if all the players are feeling confident enough, I think we might have a, like a bit of more of a chance, but I don't know. Okay, no, fair enough. Uh, Gary, let's let's bring you in then. Um, Stockport obviously going to offer very difficult opposition, and they uh, they've had some. Their form's taken a tiny bit of a dip of late, but they're still uh, they'll still be quite confident coming to the county ground, won't they? Like I said, they're fancy coming to us, then, won't they? Easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it all depends on what lineup we have tomorrow. I suppose who's back. Tomlinson, we'll talk about Blake Tracy back. I mean, whether they're going to start, whether on the bench, I don't know. But Khan, I think Khan's back, isn't he, from suspension as well. So we might have some more options. Um, we know we can certainly score a goal. So if we can get some defensive options back and not concede four, that might be a chance to win. <laughs> but, yeah, It'd be a good start, wouldn't it? it would not concede four and keep 11 men on the pitch. Well, Khan's players, that's not happening. <laughs> quite quite um jack uh when i was listening to jody morris's interview earlier he was focusing on um as gary was saying there the fact that fbt might be or, or is back in training hopefully will feature whether he starts or not wait to be seen same with tomlinson and said that matching stockport for physicality as best they can is going to be crucial do you agree uh yeah, obviously it's a physical league and they're a physical team, but at the same time they've got players. I think they've got Paddy Madden up front. He was playing League One football a couple of seasons ago. So you just, but obviously we've got Charlie Austin. We got Charlie Austin who was playing Premier League yeah. not that long ago. Yeah, but I think 
it's they've got talent as well as physicality. So, you know, it's just you you got to get that level. If you know what I mean. No, completely. <clears throat> I completely understand. Um, ben, you kind of suggested in our last episode that the majority of people now felt the season was kind of petering out. Our, our playoff chances were were not completely gone, but they were very slim. Do you think if that is the case, that releases a bit of pressure on the players and it might allow them to perform? Um, well, they've got to go for it anyway. I think we need to win eight of the last ten to stand any chance. Um, we've got a team uh, where whether if we are going to stand a chance, we really need to win because it would be considered a six-pointer if, if that was the case. Um, I think it is bolstered with the four coming in. We've actually got a squad to choose from and we've got options to change formation rather than just put up with what we've got. Do you I think, think they'll be fit enough a lot more play? energy because of that reason. Hmm? So I was just saying, do you think they'll be fit enough to play? Um, I think, yeah, I think I, I think they have to throw them in really because if they leave it too long and they don't, then I, I don't think they're all start. I think Thomason will probably start on the bench. I think um, I, I think FBT will, will absolutely start because our defensive issues have been shocking. And I think Clayton needs a little break because um, he's not playing very well. And I think FBT could work away with Bruett. And um, yeah, I just think if we win, if we can win this one, then we've got an opportunity, a good opportunity of turning over Hartlepool and then who knows. But um, yeah, it's Take a, tough it a game ask. at a time. Is it, at the minute? It's a tough ask to win on Saturday, but I think we'll go into the game with a lot more enthusiasm and I think a lot more... Uh, um, I, I think we can be it be a competitive game that will be tough. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Woody, um, again, go, referring to the Darcy pre-match, he was saying, having been involved in, in both games earlier this season, the main thing for his perspective that he was hoping from both he and his teammates is that they go in with the right mentality and attitude. And if they do that, then he's confident that the performance will follow, as will the result. Yeah, it does seem that we haven't really ticked every box a single game this season, really, in terms mm. of whether we've delivered on quality. We've either not delivered the quality, we've not delivered the mentality, or we've not delivered... It seems that a lot of games, especially recently, have been we've had a lot of one thing. Um, unfortunately, quality, not so much. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as since January, I've, I've doubted the squad's quality more and more, but we're in that business end of the season where sometimes if, if you're fired up for a game, then um, I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> um, if, uh, if you're fired up for a game, that can mean a lot more, you know, kind of attitude outweighs technical ability sometimes. Um, and like, I think Cosy, uh, Cosy just quoted there. If, you know, Charlie will be in a massive uh, way of confidence now, <clears throat> you know, regardless of, us losing, uh, conceding four, a, a striker scoring four goals in one game is hopefully just going to, you know, fire on to potentially a, a goal a game at the moment. And have we found a way to finally um, get the ball into him and play? But I think from what I hear of people that were at um, the last last game, they said that he was playing more as a striker, playing more what we expect Charlie Austin to do. 
Um, if we've got that and we've got the mentality side behind us, then who knows? Who knows what might happen? But um, I do agree with Ronan Darcy. But <laughs> I think I think for me, the magnifying glass is therefore on Ronan Darcy because I'm not convinced by him both on his quality and his mentality, to be honest. Um, well, it's it's interesting what... you say that because he was asked um, about his recent form uh, being out of the side, coming back into the side and how he thought it was going. Um, and and he said there were good and bad points. He learned from being out of the team from those that were in it and why he wasn't in it. Uh, he said it was bad because you always want to be part of the squad. But he said he said um, coming back in the last uh, couple of games for for however many minutes he's been able to, he said he felt good and and he felt his contributions have been positive for the most part and. He jokingly said he was unfortunate not to score on Saturday because Charlie decided to take all the goals himself. Yeah, but I think as we're starting to get the injuries back, this is why um, having uh, you know having that kind of mentality that we could still go up. I still want the players believing that they can still go up. But have if we can get that win, all of a sudden those players that are suddenly coming back from injury, you know, lose their place in the side. Um, and, and all of this kind of stuff. So you want them wanting to be a part of a promotion chasing side. Um, and, you know, that's that's what I want to see from, from those players. The problem is I feel that if if we do lose, you know, potentially two more games, we're, we're very much then a mid-table side. There's probably no chance of us finishing above mid-table. And all of a sudden, I think attitudes change, especially those who are, who are not potentially going to be here next season. Um, so it does have a, a massive way on the mentality side there. Um, yeah, but you know, me and Joe were both at the Mal- I mean, me, Joe, and Georgia, but all three of us were at the um, at the Malcolm game, and I said then that I wasn't impressed with Darcy. I'm I'm not seeing anything that's going. He's had a cut. He's scored a good goal, and he's he's done a couple of other things. But I don't see how, personally, and this is only my personal opinion, I don't see how he's keeping Aguirre out of the team. In my personal opinion, um, I think um, I think. I haven't seen much that separates them. In fact, arguably, I think Aguas has been better in what I've seen of Aguas. So, um, but yeah, yeah, the men- the mentality is key. And if Charlie Austin's waking up firing, then just feed the ball to him. I don't really. Again, for me, tomorrow, especially against a team like Stockport, who have got a good right. I think Stockport have, are better than I thought they were going to do, as as we will remember from the predictions episode. Um, but they've got a good bank of players. Jack's already met, mentioned Paddy Madden. They've got Kyle Noyle. They've got Kyle Wooten. You know, play, players like that that aren't... I liked they're, Noyle they're, when he was here. Yeah, they're decent League Two players. So, um, yeah, we, we, we need to be up for it. And if if it's, it's that old saying that if one player isn't 100% up for it, the other players have got to be more than 100%, uh, have got to perform more than 100%. And I, I just don't... I worry that... We we've got to every single player has got to be fired up for tomorrow. If if we're not, we we'll lose the game. Uh, before I carry on, sort of going doing the rounds and going for everybody, um, does anyone else want to jump in on on Darcy and and offer a view, positive or negative? Yeah, he's not good enough in my opinion. Okay. Uh, and what, what what makes you say that? You, you can't you can't fault his work ethic and his work mm. rate, but he's he's not physical enough and he's not creative enough. He doesn't do anything in midfield for me. Um, okay. And I think to, in a game like tomorrow, if, if he's in the starting eleven, he'll just get he'll just be an absolute passenger to stop Paul run all over him. Um, yeah. I'm sure he's a uh, you know I in think, the young yeah. twenty. He's way. Yeah. Probably probably a better player in League One, funnily enough. 
where you can play a bit more football with a bit more time on the ball. But in League Two, he's he's just too he's just too lightweight. Okay. Uh, anyone um, of the rest that haven't commented yet? Is there anyone that's very pro Darcy? <laughs> no, quite clearly not. I think his effort is great. His attitude's okay, but I, I think the ability is the question. Um, he runs about but doesn't do anything. Um, he's not particularly good at anything. He's not terrible, but he's not. You know, he doesn't stand out. I think he's a very average lower half league two player. I mean, uh, Nigel makes. Uh, oh, sorry, Gary, go on. Sorry, I was just about to say that there was a point where we saw him shooting a lot, didn't we? And he scored mm. a goal or two for long range. And he thought he's got a shot on him, but again, that seems to have stopped. He's not done that either. So I've just left. I've left Nigel's comment on the screen just for a minute there because I've said to, to most of you um, on more than one occasion, I find when I see Darcy play, he's he's never more than a 45-minute man. Um, mm. he, he, he can't maintain any sort of level of performance for 90 minutes if you play him for 45. And at, at one point, I think it was after um, Salford at home, like game two of the season or whatever it was, I think I turned around to Mark and I said, the way I see this panning out is Williams plays one half, Darcy plays the other, and it would probably work. Um, because I, at that point, I wasn't convinced that Williams was doing 90 minutes either. And that was just a couple of games into the season. But I, again, I think I agree with the comments made so far. His work rate and his endeavour is to be commended, but I'm yet to see any anything of consistent quality from him. But then that could be labelled with just about everyone in the squad this year, I think. Uh, Dan saying here, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Darcy lacks any real creative ideas when he has the ball. Um, on that note then, Joe, um, with regards to the midfield, he was asked, uh, again, this is Darcy, he was asked what it's like having so much competition uh, and do players thrive on that? And he, and he said it depends on the players themselves, but um, there is a lot of competition, particularly in the midfield area. Um what what do you think is our best setup? If if we were to implement a Swindon way, what would your setup, particularly in that midfield area, be? Because we've all bemoaned the lack of creativity and said it's obvious that we lack a ball winner. You know, we've just seen Anthony Grant sign for for Crawley, and no one's suggesting he would be the answer for this year. But I think me and Woody said in the WhatsApp chat <clears throat> for for the remainder of the season, we would have took him just to fill a hole, sort of thing. Yeah, um, I think it's tricky. I think that the the comment he made about competition for places, I think the trouble is they're all the same. All those midfield players are all do exactly the same job. There's no, there is no Anthony Grant type. There is no Michael Doughty type. There's no, they're all five yards sideways, five yards sideways, very pretty footballers. But um for me, this might be controversial, but if Blake Tracy's back, I'd stick uh, Brewitt as a holding midfielder. Okay. Just for a bit of physicality, a bit of height, a bit of physicality, like to tackle. Well, and interestingly, just on that, and sorry, just while you've made that point, did we not hear that Clayton played there for Liverpool as a holding midfielder at times? Minton <clears> supposedly <throat> played there as well for, for yeah, Swindon sure. at youth team level? Not sure Clayton's mobile enough, personally. Okay. Um and I think he's doing a great job, apart from last Saturday, but he's been doing a good job at the back. Um, but I think with, with Blake Tracy, I think he'd go back in at centre-back. I just think if you had Brewitt in front of them, in front of a back four, just mm -hmm. offering a bit of, you know, a bit of, what's the word I'm looking for? Dogginess, I guess. Like, you know, he's, he's not afraid of doing the horrible stuff. 
getting stuck in, winning headers. And then I'd have probably Williams and Khan in front of him because Williams is a lot more attacking. Khan is box-to-box, but he carries the ball very well. Mm. Um, I know he's a bit of a liability with his <laughs> with his red card record, but he is di- he's different to. If he's got someone player. extra behind him, though, that should avoid the yeah. need for him to make yeah, yeah. half the rush tackle challenges. And, and, he does. I think we've all we've all said, haven't we, this season that he's not really a holding midfielder. No, he certainly as isn't. In, as in, he's not a ball winning holding midfielder. He could play as a deep deep line playmaker or whatever you want to call it, but he's not a he's not going to win many balls in there. Um. But yeah, that's perhaps controversial, but that's the way I'd go. I'd stick a either a Brewer or a Minton in there as a, as a holder, and then Khan and Williams give you something a little bit different through the middle. For me, the the interesting thing there, because I, I like the idea of of another ball winner in the midfield. Interesting that you've left Al McEachern though. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I don't. I like it. I really do like him. But I'm struggling to see how he would best at the moment how he would best suit this team. Perhaps in a number ten. Perhaps as a you know. Perhaps we could stick a diamond in midfield and have have McEachern as a ten behind the front two. Um, exactly. Yeah, people were asking about Williams, Williams earlier in the season. I think. I think. Yeah. It's and as I was saying, I think we've got too many players that are too similar and don't necessarily fit into the setup that we have at the moment. Um, you know, and I think our midfield players we do need. Just an out and out defensive midfielder. Mm-hmm. Just you know, I know. 100%. I know Anthony Grant's name comes up, always comes up, but it is that type of player that we need. Just somebody who's just going to sit there. Mm-hmm. No, but, I understand know, that. Get in between, get in between the centre backs and help out at the back, and you know, five yard ball to somebody a bit more creative. No, makes perfect sense. Uh, good evening to AC. Who says I'm a tad behind, but fully behind in agreeing with the lack of Darcy Love. Looking busy offers nothing. Uh, Nick, I haven't come to you that yet, so let's uh, invite you into discussion. Um, if I refer to the, the Jody Morris interview, he's still clearly very frustrated in a number of things, particularly from last Saturday, um, hoping to improve. He identified again for probably the, the fifth or sixth uh, interview in a row, we need to be better when we're on the ball. And uh, and identified people making individual decisions and not losing concentration, particularly from set pieces. Yeah, hundred percent. We we need <clears throat> to be able to pass a, a five yard ball to a, one of our own players, and we need to keep control of the ball. And it's especially Saturday, um, we need to deprive Stockport of having the ball. Because it's already been said, they're a big physical side and, and they will run you into the ground. So the more we can hold the ball in player football, the less chance they've got of doing anything against us. Um, the interesting thing is that their, their recent results are exactly the same as ours. They've won one, lost one and drawn three. So they're not in great form. So from that point of view, that gives us to me, a more than even chance um, against them. And it's, is uh, well, as I've said, we need we need to play a bit of football, hold the ball, um, and prevent them from doing what they want to do. Hmm. I'm, I'm sure after the comments that have been made, every player, bar Charlie Austin, would know that last Saturday was an absolute shit show. 
Um, Morris has come out and said it. Um, I like him. He, he doesn't pull his punches. He says it how it is. He doesn't try and cover it up. Even when we were 2 0 up, he said we were so poor that how the hell we were 2 0 up was, was like, you know, what's going on? So they've got a lot to prove. Um, some of us went to Stockport in the FA Cup <laughs> and we got an absolute soaking. So they owe us for that. So I'm expecting a massive reaction on Saturday. So, yeah, I'm, I'm quite positive and I'm looking forward to the game. In terms of all pulling together, Jack, one of the interesting things Morris did say, he, he'd made a few comments in previous interviews about the fans, particularly at home. Um, but he said in the last home game, he actually really appreciated what the fans did. He, he spoke about the volume and going throughout the game. Do you think with the current situation in terms of league position, performances, do you think the the volume from the fans will still be there? Uh, are you confident of that? Well, I personally don't think it'll be as good. I mean, the fact that we were hoping to, at this point, probably be in a playoff spot mm. is something that I don't think the fans will appreciate too much. But I think there'll still be backing, but I don't think it'll be as good as it usually is, to be honest. Okay. And do you think there's a way of, um, you know, if it starts well, not necessarily even taking the lead, but if, if the performance looks good in the first five minutes, do you think the, the fans will still warm to the occasion then? Uh, yeah, because you've also got Stockport fans as well. They'll bring quite a few. They've got a good fan base. That they've also got they're quite loud as well, so they'll probably bring an atmosphere with them because this is, once again, a big game for them as well. So I feel as if uh, if there's a good first five, ten minutes, then both sets of crowds will want to, you know, push their team forwards more and it'll create a better game. OK. Um, Georgia, for you, um, we would, we've had, obviously, Joe there talking about different setups. And uh, we had the mention of the players coming back. Do you think at this stage, with how most people believe the season is going to pan out, is it a chance to try new players or do we keep playing our best or perceived best 11 until any possible achievement is mathematically impossible? Right. So, pers right. I think now that we know we're like, probably not going to get playoffs I think just try new players out see what they're like give them game time because if they're not getting anything they're not going to improve like they're not going to be able to do all of these things like so I think just start planning for next season start playing younger players like Aguiar he doesn't get enough game time for how he is Minturn people like that yeah no that makes perfect sense to me um, and interestingly, on, on that subject, uh, Woody, I'll come to you next. Dan's saying here, um, is it worth trying a diamond formation again in the midfield or with the attacking front three with RHM and Wakely on either side of Austin? Uh, excuse me. Uh, I think I'd love them to play like a 4-1-3-2 or something, um, to be honest, and just go a little bit more attacking. But mm. um I, I think we'll set up the same way we did last weekend, even though we drew um, in terms of formation. Um, I think 
there seems to be a bit of a connection with Austin having kind of a player either side of him, which I think they kind of like at the moment. Um, so really, if you're doing that, you can only have the three in midfield. It's just that personnel, like Joe was referring to earlier. You know, I would actually, I agree with Joe in terms of, I don't know if Brewitt's the answer, but having someone like Brewitt as that holding player who is literally there to protect the defence, um, you know, defensive midfielder rather than a holding midfielder, and then have the creative players in front of him, just, just you know, a bit like, a bit like we, we I know we talk about it a lot um, because he did do a great job for us, but a bit like what Granty used to do. You know, Granty wasn't known for his taking the ball into midfield. He was known for making sure it didn't even get to the defence and, and then pass it forward. So um, I don't I don't necessarily agree with George's point. I don't think the fan base will be forgiven enough to um, to be trialling all of the new stuff yet. I think we need to be mathematically out of it before we start doing that, personally. Um, I, I You know, I think it's... What was the term Craig used? Is it improbable? It's not impossible, but it's improbable. I think he was. Yeah. He said. Mm-hmm. Um, so until it's really impossible, I think the fan base itself as a whole won't be forgiven enough if we're, you know, starting to think about resting some of our stronger players. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be giving them more chances now, you know, because they're they're, they're especially the younger ones. They'll be eager to go. So if it's nil nil with sixty minutes or whatever, bring Abu Kanu on. You know, kind of that's. That's a different scenario, but I wouldn't necessarily change everything um, straight up. Um, but <laughs> um, they had their chance. Um, the, um, <laughs> the, um, yeah, it's um, yeah. I think, I, but I do think it'll be four three three again. Um, I don't. I can't see it changing from that. And, and I think, although we we question how he fits in the side, obviously George McEachern's a very much a. He is a Jody Morris player. Is exactly what Jody Morris wants. So, Jody Morris will build that midfield around him, you know, and um, which is probably why we're probably going to see Darcy tomorrow um, as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's as much as I think it's weaker that way. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Kane, Darcy, and um, and McEachern, which which terrifies me. Um, but but um, I'd actually rather have Kaji in there than Kane. I think. But the um, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a big but, Kane yeah. fan. Uh, but it. it what I'll tell you one thing it does do, and it, the good thing is, is we can't work it out what could happen, which means Stockport probably can't work out, which is which is probably going to work in our advantage because, as Ben said in the WhatsApp chat the other day about FBT potentially being back and um, Tomlinson potentially being back, and uh, I can't remember who the other player was. McKechnie. McKechnie was fine, and and obviously Khan, you know, has Khan done enough in training to get himself back in the. You know, back in the lineup now. In terms of, he would have had to because he's had about 150 game suspension. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I just, yeah, I think. Um, I, I again, I, I say it pretty much every week at the moment. We need to focus on our strengths, um, and we need to overload our strengths, which our strengths are going forward. You know, we, sh- you know, Charlie Austin is just the, the tip of that. You know, in terms of scoring four. We can't we can't doubt that Hepburn Murphy has a little bit about him. Um, Wakelin has a little bit about him. Put Johnny Williams on his day. You know, Johnny Williams on his day is one of the best players in this league. <laughs> so we just need him to be on his day. So it's mm-hmm. um, yeah. But then it it raises the question: if we play four three three, does that mean Johnny Williams doesn't start? You know, who somebody? The problem is is when it's annoying that it's our defenders that aren't 
being sacrificed. Do you not? I'm trying to make that make sense in some ways. Yeah. But our better our better players are the ones that can't get into the team. So, so to clarify that, for example, my next question to Joe is, we seem to be going along the lines of Hepburn, Murphy, Austin, Wakelin, but in the uh, version that you've given us, that means Johnny Williams, who gets into just about any League Two side, almost certainly, yeah. and we're saying he doesn't get into this team. Well, I'd personally, personally, I'd rather, sorry, I know it's Joe's question, I'd rather have Williams and then Hepburn, Murphy. Um, but okay. yeah, but... Yeah, but it, but it just shows that that's what I mean. Like the players that we would consider the slightly stronger players are the ones that are going to have to miss out because we need to tweak the formation. Uh, go on then, Joe. Uh, I already asked you to make up a midfield. Now make now make up the attacking line. <laughs> um, it's tricky, and it? it's again we're trying to play wingers, but we don't have any wingers. <laughs> it's frustrated me for the best part of six months. That. Wait for for me. It's it's got to be Austin and a another through the middle. Um, whether that be the pace of Hepburn Murphy, the work rate of Wakelin, you know, do you go for two target men and him and Adeloy and just launch a ball in the box? Yes, on, There's options there. There's options, but for me, playing the three, we're wasting players there because Wakelin is not a winger. Whether you you know, I love him as much as the next guy, and I love his work rate and his endeavour. He's not a winger. It's, it's interesting, that point, actually, because, what, 10, 10 minutes ago, we were talking about all Darcy has is work rate and endeavour, and what does he offer the team, and yet, and now you're saying exactly the same thing about Wakelin, but we're trying to make sure he gets in the team. Uh, he's got far more ability than Darcy will ever have. Yeah. Well, we'll ever have. Yeah. <laughs> Harsh. Um, <laughs> Joe is taking yeah. no prisoners tonight. Right. This guy, right, he's watching on seven or eight league goals. He's been out of position for 80% of the season. Play him in his best position. The trouble we've got in the whole team is we're playing players in the wrong bloody positions. Wakelin is a centre forward. He needs, alongside somebody like Austin, he'd be perfect. Austin winning flick-ons, holding the ball up, whatever. Wakelin would be perfect there. Hepburn so you're Murphy going back towards a, a 4-4-2 diamond almost then? I just think we, you've got to play to what the players we've got and we don't have wingers. So why are we trying to play wingers? We don't have you name me one player we've got that's a tricky winner. We haven't got one. I'm just waiting for someone to say shade. No, <laughs> daring someone to say shade. <laughs> Look at Georgia, just no. We don't have a winner. We, Johnny Williams, all right, can play there. He's not really a winner either. No. Johnny, Again, Johnny, I would I would I would Johnny love Williams to see Williams behind a front two. Yeah, exactly. So hmm. I I don't understand why. Both managers this year, Lindsay and and Morris, it's like they're trying to fit players into a formation that they want to play, rather than they're Square just playing round holes. Yeah. Rather than thinking, right, we've got fifty-eight central midfielders, let's play a diamond for you know four <laughs> central midfielders. You know, we don't have wingers, so why are we playing them? It just doesn't make sense to me at all. No? Problems with Swindon, we seem to be heavily stacked in some positions and woefully short in others. It's just. How we are, it's recruitment, isn't it? The trouble is we're heavily stacked in positions, but none of them are bloody good enough. I'll tell you one position we're heavily stacked in, left back. <laughs> yeah, none of them are ever seen to be available to play. Um, Nick, and, and, and to be fair, what, sorry, sorry to butt in, but what Cos no, is just there is Williams is a luxury, he is right, he is a luxury player. You need, you need him, you can't be relying on him to come back defending and doing things like that. He needs to be, you know, when you're defending, he needs to be up with the forwards. 
would have yeah. thrown. You, you know, you can't be relying on him coming back defending because it's just, you know, and, and and that is correct. He needs a, the the right balance of players around him. And again, it's it's difficult. It's, it is difficult at the moment. Lots of comments coming through on uh, Ben's attire this evening uh, <laughs> regarding whether he's going to be mugging or flashing is, is the latest one flashing. to come through. <laughs> flashing! Uh, <laughs> Nick, let me, let me throw one at you at the other end of the pitch. Um, we have had many a game where we have praised the contribution of Sol Brin. Um, in more recent times, we're starting to see just a little bit of criticism aimed his way. Now, obviously, there is no competition for him. We know if fit he plays. Um, do you personally have the faith in him to reach the levels of performance required for the remainder of the season? Yeah, that's a to quote a term that's a very good question fifey thanks for that and to um, quote my reply i try and ask one every episode <laughs> uh shot stopping yeah he's, he's good um he seems to have fallen into uh the premise of not commanding his six yard box which he should be with the size that he is whether that's because the chopping and changing of the defense um, and he's not sure if the centre half's going to go for it, if he should go for it, and and there's you know a bit of confusion in there. That that's probably half of it. So, um, and and again, he you know he, he is is probably his first real season in this type of football. Um, he's got the potential to be a good keeper. He's already said he wants to be Middlesbrough's number one next season. Well, that ain't going to happen um, with, with, without a doubt. Um, but I just go back to I don't think we should have a lone keeper. We we should have our own keeper. Um, should be a a proper, decent, experienced guy between the sticks. But you know that that's my view on that. But but going on on, yeah, he would do a job for us, and he's he's not the worst keeper in the league, and he's probably one of the better ones. So he, he's probably in the top, I don't know, top six, maybe top ten. So, uh, and he, yeah, he saved us a few games, saved us a few points this season, but he's also cost us a few, which is what you expect with somebody who's learning his trade. So, you know, that's that's just the way it is. And that's how we've, we've set our whole stall up this season. Um, but going on to the previous discussions um, around how we should set up, mm -hmm. for me, I would go 4-4-2. Um, I would leave Williams out of the side. He's done nothing since the World Cup. Um one of the goals Saturday was his four. He, he can't can't tackle, fell on his ass. They broke, they scored. That was down to him not making a tackle on the halfway line, not winning the ball. So I, I would drop Williams and, and I would have a, a midfield of uh, Kadji, McEachern, Khan and Tomlinson. Um, that would be my forward midfield with Austin and Hepburn Murphy up front. So uh, I'd probably take it a different tack than most. It. We need. We have to go shit or bust on Saturday, and if that's all at attack, that's what it needs to be. You know, don't fanny about, and and uh, that's what to me is got to happen on Saturday. Um, interesting, but uh, again, just sticking with you, Nick, as as we open it up uh, with regards to the goalkeeper situation. Uh, where's the keeper we had last season back from Sutton? Uh, the understanding is that there's still. Uh, Sutton-related contractual issues there. Uh, everyone assumed he was set to come back. 
if uh, if everything had gone to plan, do you imagine he would have stayed to claim for number one at this point? No. No, you think no. If if you take if you take a lone keeper, you're going to play him because if we don't play him, it costs us money. So if he plays the full season, I think the way it works out from what um, we were told a couple of seasons ago when we had Bender, um, that we virtually it cost us nothing because the more games he plays, the less money we have to pay for them. So um, Ward would have just been number two. He, he, he wouldn't have replaced him. I'm, I'm 100% convinced of that. Okay. Uh, Gary, it's as if uh, Christian had a copy of the script before I got uh, before I got a chance to ask you because he has sent a comment in and it was leading into my next question. Uh, and he's put, gents, watch Hutton's positioning tomorrow and discuss on Monday. Gets caught out on the right, which there was a follow-up comment in the chat as well. Hutton can't defend. Couldn't at his previous club either. Widely considered by the majority of people, at least a candidate for player of the season, yet we're discussing a right-back that can't defend. Well, you have to question him going defensive. I think he's very good going forward, but I don't think he's a great defender. Not one-to-one. -one. I think he gets caught out quite a lot. And... Do how do we solve that problem then? If he's being deployed as a as a main weapon for us, particularly, you know, we've just been discussing having four-man midfield, which would then put more emphasis on the, the full-backs becoming wing-backs and getting forward. But we don't have the protection there for him, surely. No, and I think that's what we tried the, the three at the back, haven't we? We tried going back to five and then having the almost like the wing-backs to offer some sort of protection to the full-backs when they are going forward. Whether that's worked or not worked I don't know but it feels like he's either got to play wing back and be wide and not be reliant to, to be so defensive or we almost just play him wide as almost like a winger type sort of player um, it's an option put him um, forward and to say well you go go forward then in a, in a situation that we haven't had yet but let's let's talk hypothetically okay uh, FBT's fit Tomlinson's fit, Devine's fit, Hutton's fit, and Lavinier's fit. Is Hutton not getting in the team, in your opinion? Are you going Lavinier on the right and one of the others on the left? No, I think you still play Hutton for his crossing ability alone. Okay. And you then just work out, the, work out the defensive plan for covering him when he's caught out. Yeah, maybe that's the way to do it. Like I said, push him more forward. Maybe he does play more <laughs> wide mid-winger sort almost sort of thing and you have someone like Blake Tracy behind him or someone you know being the defensive holding player okay interesting uh on the fullback debate <laughs> does anyone else want to jump in before I go to Ben with the next question well I was going to say actually um I'd like to see at some point maybe you know a little later on the season or even straight away I'd like to see Lavinia play right back because that's his preferred to position we've not seen him yet um, I think Hutton is... He doesn't a own a left foot, does he? Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, no, he cuts in on his right. He's been a little bit better on his left because me and Jack had this debate throughout the season whilst watching uh, Lavinier because I went, he's a right back. He's a right back. He shouldn't be on the left. And then he did the Grunison game and he had to blind on the left. And then he's taken off ever since. But I think um, I think Hutton's a great wing back. Uh, I think he's a good wing back because he's got three centre-backs behind him. He does get caught out um, being too offensive. 
Um, I think I'd like to see, if we are playing right backs, I'd like to see Lavinia on the right and maybe Tomlinson on the left or FBT on the left and see where we go there. Um, is in tomorrow again. I've been an advocate of the diamond all season. We played it once in the league and we scored five goals. And I think we could once in the cup and got, and got yeah, we well, once in the cup, but then we played in the cup. And but what did um, what did Lindsay do? He, he he plays about with the squad and puts like Reedy attacking centre midfielder. What, what's all that about? So he, he, he mucked about with the squad. So right formation, wrong team. Um, and then just dumps you know the diamond all together and then we never see it again. Um, so, you know, that's just an option, isn't it? But there's one of many, which is good. We've got options. We've got players back and then we can do one or three or four um, positions. So it's it's good that we've actually, I think this is the first time that uh, the manager's actually had this choice since he's been here of a squad. Uh, anyone else on the fullbacks before we, we head to the, the next question? Uh Okay. Uh, so, Ben, you, you just your last point there, you mentioned the manager and having options. Between everyone so far, we've kind of dissected each area of the pitch. Do you believe Morris is stamping his, I don't, I don't want to say stamping his authority is the wrong term, is he managing to get his blueprint within the team yet? Obviously, the, the parts aren't fully working, but are you starting to see what Morris's Swindon will look like? You could see, I think it, it was, I noticed actually in the Warsaw game where they sort of pressed and they pressed in packs. So someone get the ball and then like two or three players would be straight at him. I like that. That was, an, uh, that was a, a, a Wellens trait as well. Um, so, you know, he does need a team that's fit. Um, he we wouldn't mind having a team with a defence as well. Um, I think I think injuries have plagued uh, and suspensions has plagued what he wants to do with the squad a lot of the time because he's left with players that he doesn't really want to go with. Um, so I, I, I think he's earned, well, I think he's got a bit of a free pass into the summer, really, until he's got his own squad. But, um, uh, yeah, you, you can see the stuff that he's trying to do. But um, oh, I know you hate that, Fifey, don't you? There is you no such thing as a free pass. Well, he, okay. he will I have had five. I personally won't judge him until he's got his own squad together. Five months in charge, he would have had mm. by the end of the season. Mm. What's that? Between he, he came in in January, the end mm. of the season's in May. Mm. Okay, he came in the end of January and it ends the beginning of May. So four months he would have been mm. in charge. Four mm. months is not a free pass. No, it's not free pass, but I won't judge him. I don't think it's fair to judge him until he's got his own squad. He could lose every single game, but what I mean, he's not had a defence, has he? All, all, since he's been here, everyone start, all the defenders start dropping out. He's he's not had a settled defence. He's not had a settled team. With all these players suspended. T tomorrow is the first time he's got a squad to choose from. And because he's, he's got, got a squad, squad to choose from, he's likely to mix it up again. Yeah, yeah, no, he's got a squad to choose from, as in, I can play this formation or I can go this way. I've got different options for wanting to do something differently after through the game. He's never had that all season because he's left with bare bones from, from like when he joined till now. And now we've got players back and he's got a bit of a choice and we'll probably hopefully see a better performance. Well, we don't know, we'll see. But personally, I'm not going to really judge him until next season. When he's got his own squad and his own team, and he's had a pre-season with them, we've also spoken quite a lot recently about game management, both from the players and and from the the touchline. Is that still an area of concern for you? Um, 
I think time will tell a little bit. Um, obviously, he's learning on his feet as well. This is his first job. So, um, if academy football is a lot different. Yeah, yeah. And saying that, he's worked with, he's had enough experience at Chelsea and Derby. I was going to say, let's, well. let's not yeah. rule him out so, as yeah, just no, an I'll academy back, coach. Back that a little bit. So, he, he should know. He should know really and picked up game in game management and he's also been a player himself so and he's worked under some top managers in his career so um yeah i think that comes in time um uh, again um i think the time to judge him will be next season okay um anyone else again let's open that topic up for anyone else uh with regards to Morris in game management, you know, do, do you all agree? Maybe you disagree with me. Do you agree with Ben? Is he getting a free pass till the end of the season, regardless of performance and results? I wouldn't say a free pass as such, but I think the pressure is off him. Um, uh, and I think I, I do partly agree with some of what Ben said. He has had problems with the squad and blah, 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 but some of the performances have been dire, absolute dire. And you can't sugarcoat that. Whether you've got injuries or not, the effort's still got to be there. Mm -hmm. Basics. The basics have still got to be there. Some of the goals we're conceding are absolute criminal, laughable. Yeah. And, you know, goes back to the point about the goalkeeper. The goalkeeper, yep, yeah, great shot stopper, but I'm going to go Roy Keane here. That's what he's paid for. There is much more. I take some responsibility for some of these results now. He's been yeah. here long enough. He knows it's his tactics. It's his squad. Is Charlie Austin dropping back in the midfield because he's been told to do that? Or is that Charlie Austin doing it off his own back because he wants the ball and wants, you know, he's doing the tactics and setting the squad out. It's his responsibility now on Sunday's result. Yes, he will get a bit of time and yes, he will get not so much pressure heaped on him. But I think now it's time to sort of look and go, this is still on you a little bit. The players can go out there, but you do the tactics, you do the squads, and you do the, you know, the lineups and everything like that. If only we had someone with some real life coaching experience who could <laughs> maybe offer an opinion on this kind of thing. Oh, evening, Woody. <laughs> um, no, I don't really have an opinion on it. <laughs> the, um, <laughs> um, well, I think, I think. I kind of agree. I think Cosy put the comment up. I do a little bit agree with kind of you should be able to manage the not that one, the one about yeah, managing other squad, uh, managing um, other managers' squads, which I think would mean I would expect better performances. If the quality is not there, as we've said a few times, that's fair enough. If the players aren't good enough, that's fair enough. Um, but I think I, I'm trying not to say that he gets a hall pass just because we, it's not his squad yet because at the end of the day the guy is you know he's he's coached with some of the best players and coached with some of the best coaches in the world so it's you know i think we can't just let him off because we're you know desperate for him to do well next season but i think there needs to be a stage at where we go did we get it wrong in recruitment or has, is the managers been the wrong choice it's got to be one or the other as the reason why we've not got to where we are. I mean, you know, it, it, it is hard. It is hard managing another team's players, um, you know, another manager's players. But then were they really Scott Lindsay's players? <laughs> it was, you know, I think it's, it's, it's almost like a poison chalice, isn't it? Whoever gets the Swindon job at the moment. And I think it's been like that for a few years, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I think 
I'm not I'm not going to call his head this season. I think the pressure no, of is course. off on him, but I do expect the the season. I do expect the performances to improve. But the one thing I'll give him is he ain't afraid to take a player off if he's playing shit. You know, he's done that a couple of times already this season. You know, so um, you've got to admire him in some ways for that because we didn't have that really under Lindsay. If there was one thing I criticised him for, Lindsay did take too long to pay, take off players that were ineffective. Shade. Um, and um, <laughs> it's, I just think that, yeah. Um, but for me, the reason I'm giving him the most slack is because I don't believe the squad's good enough. Um, I don't believe this, you know, not, you know, that's hypocritical to what I was saying in October, but I don't believe the squad's good enough. So I don't think we can point everything at Jody. Yes, we need to see better performances. And yes, you know, we need to see him have the willingness to change things. And I think tomorrow's going to be a lot bigger game than we think it's going to be because we need to see, this is almost that kind of last chance to really push on and really show intent because they are a team that are in the playoffs as well. So we need to upset them. Results kind of went our way during the week as well. I think, was it Mansfield Drew? I think it was Mansfield Drew um, as well. So, you know, it's that old saying, is it, is it back in our hands? It's not in our hands still, but you know, if, if we're not doing the business, it ain't going to make a difference, whether what the other teams do. So, um, I just, yeah, I, you know, kind of mixing a little bit with what George's point is, you know, same with Charlie Austin. He's not indispensable here. If he shows up tomorrow and plays a shit 60 minutes, slug him off. You know, it's kind of, I just, I want to see, I want to, I want to see that. I want to see players earning their place. And um, the, that is up to the manager to, to get the fucking players going. You know, it is, um, I, I want Jody to be in that change room saying, look, You've got it's you guys in this change room that can achieve this playoff position. Like it, I could sit there with the tactics all day. I could give you how I want you to play, but if you ain't going to do it when you cross the line, then we ain't going to do it as a team. So, um, so yes, whilst I do agree that a good manager should be able to manage anybody, let's be totally honest. As much as I do like Jody Morris, and that's just because I've you know been on CPDs and stuff with him. Um, so I like him from a coaching perspective, but he's a League Two manager for a reason. Um, so it's if is he going to be a top level manager um, at the moment? Probably not. So really, he does need that little bit of help with the quality of players that are backing him up, which I hope he gets in the summer. But if we go on a dross now between now and the end of the season in games where we shouldn't be losing, I mean, the typical stat would be we shouldn't lose to anybody below us in the league. You know, that, that should be the way we look at it. We should not now lose to anybody below us in the league. And if we'd start losing games, etc., then I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to be necessarily Jody fully out, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes because the, the squad isn't good enough for me to get into the playoffs, but the squad's good enough to put performances on the pitch um, and, you know, put a bit of heart, grit and stuff. There are players in that squad who need to prove a point, and that's what I want to see. I want to see them prove, even Bryn to a certain extent. Bryn <laughs> needs to prove why he's going to be Middlesbrough's number one one day. Brewitt needs to prove that he's not an absolute twat. You know, it's uh, Blake Tracy, Tomlinson need to prove that. Tomlinson needs to prove that he's not the player that is just going to he give us a bloody massive medical bill. You know, we he needs to show us that, yeah, we might get 30 games out of the season from him, but they're going to be 30 good games. You know, mm-hmm. he needs to prove that. Charlie Austin, to a certain extent, yes, I would love Charlie Austin to still be here next year. If we're in League Two, I think it's unlikely, but he should still be playing like he he wants to be here, and I think he's probably the only one that does. Um, but yeah, 
Johnny Johnny Williams, I think, to be fair, I actually think that Johnny Williams gets uh, a, a doesn't get as much credit as he deserves because of his name. Um, but players like George McEachern, all of them should just be playing like they fucking want to be here and mm-hmm. putting it out like that. Even the lone players, those lone players could be looking at this going, what, are we 11th? Are we 11th at the moment? 12th? Yeah, 12th. 12th. They could be looking at that going, we were 12th in, in March. End of March, we were 12th. And I, one of the lone players, helped us get into the fucking playoffs from an almost impossible position. That's what that's the mentality they all need to have, and Jody needs to be telling them that. Um okay, so that's interesting. So let me Jack, let me ask you, okay. Um, if we continue the current trend of performances and results, is it likely to be a lot sooner into next season that the pressure that Morris isn't under now? And everyone's giving him the free ride for starts to appear. So, for example, if we continue, if we end the season how we are now, are we talking September, October before the pressure gets to him, as opposed to December, January? I think the pressure's on to him as soon as the transfer window starts. If we carry on losing, drawing every game, then I think it, the, we have to get in early on the transfer window. He needs to get the players he wants. If he doesn't manage to do that, then come 10 games into the season, people, like I wouldn't be surprised if people are on his back if we're not picking up performances. Okay. And Georgia, from what you've seen uh, over the last few weeks, um, kind of similar to what I asked Ben at the beginning of this, are you, have you seen enough from Jody Morris himself to say, I can see what he's trying to do? Um, I think it's too early to tell. Like, because he hasn't had, like, he's come in with not, like, the players he wants. Like, he's brought in a few good players, like George McEachern. But I do think he, I do think he's, like, he does mean well. I think he is going to do well. I think we just need to give him a bit more of a chance. Okay. Uh, And that's what Nick's saying here in the comments, I think, where he says, uh, you need to give Jody the summer. You can't moan this season. Next season with Swindon fans, they will want him out if they lose the first game. Um, <clears throat> okay. Does any before I go round and ask everyone their predictions? Does anyone want to come in on anything else specifically for the game tomorrow? Okay, uh, Nick. Let's start up in the top corner with you. Then a prediction for tomorrow, please, sir. Uh, as I said earlier, I'm quite positive about tomorrow. Um, we will concede. Um, as I told Clem the other week, our defence ain't good enough not to let a goal in, <laughs> which I don't think he liked very much. And I, I did have a bet with him, but he didn't come back and pay up. But there you are. Because um, <laughs> he said he don't drink, so fair enough. Uh, I think we'll win 3-1. Okay. Gary? Yeah, I'm going for a tight game too, but I think we might just nick it 2-1. Okay. Uh, Nigel's saying, I predict it will be windy, <laughs> is, is his prediction. And uh, Nick going 3-2. Ben? Um, I was going to say same as Nick, actually, 3-2, as he just popped up there. Um, I gave that prediction earlier today, and I think we'll stand by it. I think we're a bit of a hum, humdinger, proper game tomorrow, 3-2. Okay. So another game where neither side can defend then. Uh, Woody? Well, I can't go as it stands tomorrow, which is really annoying because I would have quite liked to go into it. So it's probably going to be a 4-3 win to somebody. Um, 
Paddy Madden's bound to score, any. Um, but let's go. Yeah, I'm going to go four three. Four three Swindon. But Charlie mm-hmm. Austin's only going to get one. Oh dear, we're all picking Swindon wins at the minute. This never goes well. Cosy's gone for two, uh, two all draw. Dan say uh, he's a lot less optimistic for goals. Just a one all draw, Joe. Having watched us play Stockport in the FA Cup earlier in the season, I think they, I think they're going to be too strong for us tomorrow. Okay, just there. The style of play, the work rate, physicality. I just think we're not going to be up to it. So I, I can see a 2 0 defeat. Okay. Uh, Georgia? Um, I reckon we'll score, but but we're also going to concede. All of these goals come in from corners as well. Like, we need to sort that out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we are getting too many goals from corners. Just open headers. I'm going to go 2 1 loss. 2-1 loss. That's not great. Debut and you're already predicting us to lose. So we, can't all, we can't all predict them. Every time we do that, we do lose. I'm quite pleased. Uh, I, I, I also think we'll lose. I think we'll lose 3-1 tomorrow. Losing 3-1. Uh, well, thank you, you youngsters. This is why you're in the youth team. We need to teach you how to do this properly. <laughs> uh, so fa- fairly mixed, mixed bag of uh, results there. That is for sure. Um, but it's uh, it's sure to be a fascinating afternoon at the county ground, and clearly one uh, if uh, if our panel is even close to being right, where there will be goals for all in attendance to enjoy. Uh, let's move on from the men's team then, and have a quick word if we can, Woody, on the women's team this weekend. Um, the fixtures have had a bit of a, a shuffle round. And the first team are actually playing at Fairford on Sunday. Their their game that was postponed last week against Moneyfields. Yeah, I don't don't really know the logistics why that is. I don't know if there's a logistics. Yeah, James didn't on. I was listening no, to TSTBL no. midweek, and he said he didn't understand why they'd done it that way either. No, I don't know whether it's because maybe Moneyfields have put in a pre uh, pre date request for the other fixture or something to say they couldn't play or or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, um, I mean, if my, my game's called off, I might try and get out of that one, to be fair. Um, Moneyfields, as, as everybody knows, are about 150 times now. They're my old foe. So, the um, yeah, it should it should be a good game. That should, you know, if if anybody likes a... If anybody likes watching a team that don't mind a bit of physicality, a little bit of shithouse, a lot of shithousery, and very good game management, Moneyfields are your team, to be fair. So... Um, I, you know, I try and encourage people to go watch that one because that will be a that will be a good game because they are, from what I recognise, really two totally different types of sides um, in terms of the way they play. So it'd be interesting to see how Lally lines up um, against them and um, and how he gets on with them as well. And uh, we have to say on behalf of everyone at Fools Rushin, good luck to the under-18s this weekend. Uh, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago they've got the Cup semi-final, which, uh, I, if, if I'm right, is this weekend. Uh, and obviously we wish them uh, all the luck in the world in getting to the final. Uh, I'm sure Grace will be uh, involved in that game and hopefully putting on a stellar performance. Um 
a lot of news in the last week for, for the women's team, Woody. They, they announced the, the season tickets for the new season. Um, but also the big news for them uh, is the fact that they are going back to the county ground uh, next week or next weekend. Yeah, um, you know, that's yeah, positive news. We knew it was going to happen eventually again this season. So, um, yeah, brilliant. Uh, hopefully, was it? Second of April. That's is that the start of the Easter holidays? It is the start of the Easter holidays, isn't it? Um, so, you know, hopefully it means that it catches people before they're off going off going away and, and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's um, big news. It's the only thing is is I I'm always skeptical about kind of. I think it's great that they're playing at the current ground. Don't get me wrong, but I almost kind of don't want it to overshadow this weekend's game. Do you know what I mean? Like because. Like yes, it's great, and they're they're getting out now. But can we get this? Can we get this Sunday out of the way first yeah. before we before we really start talking about it? Um, because again, I think it's fifth against sixth. Um, is you know a decent. It's going to Southampton women are a decent side as well. So um, it should be it should be a good game and a good spectacle and a lot closer than the games that we've seen at the counter ground so far. It'll be a lot more like the the games that we've seen at Foundation Park. Um, this season, so I uh, yeah, obviously I, I can't. I'm going to sound hypocritical because I can't go. But you know, I'd really push kind of everybody to 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 get down there and really support because I just think at the moment, especially at the moment, it's it's bargain football. You know what I mean? It's 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 not expensive to go watch them. Um, you know, it's getting behind your local team. It's in our it's in our home turf. It's you know the excuses that, that used to come out that you know, from the people that just don't like women's football who use the excuse that they are out at Fairford, you know, when you haven't got the excuse now. So it's um um you know get get down to the county ground. And I think I think Cosy mentioned it actually a long time ago on one of our original podcasts that um it's a great opportunity to test people that you don't normally uh, you're not sure whether they like football or not. You know, mm-hmm. like if you've got young kids kind of four or five years old type thing. Um, a really good opportunity because I remember him unlike, saying it. Unlike at a men's game where you're kind of restricted to your seats, you've got to make sure your your little brat shuts up um, or not shuts up and stops running around. But there's a little bit more freedom because obviously there's a bit more room and and all of that kind of stuff. So it is a good opportunity to test those who are not quite sure because the women's they are very engaging with with the fans, especially after the game, etc. So um, you know, and we we all see it. A bit more joyous atmosphere, if you like, when it comes to women's football. Um, although I have been at games that aren't so joyous. The cup final was out of the weekend. Um, but it's, um, yeah, so it's, I really, I really want to, if uh, if you're in doubt, just go and do it. Just go and watch it. Because if if, if nothing else, you're putting money into, into, into a good cause. You know, even if you really fucking hate it, at least you say you can, you've given it a try. Um, it wasn't your cup of tea. That's fair enough. Go home and, and then go home, and the club will call your money. Then, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but it's um, you know, but this is we, we talk about the engagement. I mean, I've said a few times that I'd like the academy to get a bit more media and a little bit more exposure. We've said many times, the fan base have said many times that Swindon really need to cotton on to this kind of getting the women's under their belt, getting you know, really magnifying what Newcastle are doing so well, what Blackburn are doing so well, and. You know, teams like that, Bristol City have already done it. You know, Oxford United have already done it. You know, we need to start start trying to catch up with that. Um, and the only way 
the only way that the, we can guarantee the women will be constantly at the counter grounds is if we get crowds through the door. Um, so I think get down there, get in the stand, get chanting along, doing whatever you want to do, but go down there. It'll be a great game of football next Sunday. Um, and um, and it, and if it's not, I'll apologise in advance. But having having watched Southampton against Swindon many times and played against Southampton, I think it'll be a really, really good game. Um, let's, let's smash that record. Let's, let's not rely on the men's playing first. Let's just get a good crowd down there regardless. Um, you mentioned about obviously getting this weekend's fixture out of the way first, and you're completely right to do so. Uh, just giving people the heads up. It's not confirmed yet, but we obviously have two shows before the county ground game. Obviously, we have our usual Monday and Friday shows next week. And I'm fairly confident that we're going to have different members from the women's team on both shows to help us promote it. Um, so hopefully we will have guests from the team on Monday and Friday uh, who will be able to tell you a thousand times better than I could and maybe ten times better than Woody could why it would, uh, why it would be very much uh, worthwhile going to see them play. Um, Georgia, we've had Joe mention um, in the past this season about the your game that he's managed to get to. I know you've been as well to, to see some women play. What's your experience been like? I like it. Like It's different to men's football in so many different ways. Like I also like the fact that you're like so close to the actual action. Like you can hear what goes on. You can like you can see more things happening than when you're like in like in men's football. Everything's just so like uh, what's the word um, intense. Whereas mm. women's football, it's still intense, but it's like it's not as bad. It's not as full on. And. Um... <clears throat> For those who have said, I mean, Woody described it perfectly there. The location thing is kind of being taken out of the, the equation because it's being played in Swindon. Um, for those who aren't necessarily sold on the the quality of football, I know you mentioned the intensity there, but the game itself, it, would you describe it an enjoyable watch? Yeah, 100%. It's, it's fun. It's different it's not like when you say football people think of men's football women's football is so different and what what would you say were some of the the key differences that still allow you to enjoy it though even though it's different in your in your opinion um we got more than one goal scorer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It is like everybody gets involved in the game. Everybody talks to each other and you can hear that and you can see it. Like you can just see it being shown through like the actions. And Joe, bringing you in, as, as we've said, we've discussed this before, but you've, you have embraced the opportunity to, to go and see games, as we said, taken Georgia um, and, and enjoy, enjoy the spectacle for what it is as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, you know, I went in with a very open mind at the start because I didn't really know what to expect. And to be quite honest, I've probably the, the three or four women's games I've been to this year, I've probably enjoyed more than the men. So, um, some actual attacking football and goals being scored. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
you know, it is different. It is you're not gonna. It's obviously not the same quality of football that you're gonna see at Swindon Town on a Sunday, on a Saturday. Sorry, uh, in terms of the speed of the game, the, you know, the 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 sort of fitness and things. But it is a very enjoyable watch, and uh, it gets uh, gets pretty feisty at times. So that's always good. Certainly does. Um, as I say, we we wish all the Swindon Town teams the very best of luck this weekend and and we do hope that we are able to be joined by a few of the team on both of our shows next week to help promote the game at the county ground uh woody just a, a little word you, you said uh at the moment your game is postponed what what is what that's it up to this weekend um i think it's going to be postponed we we're meant to be elminster away but I don't think they their pitch takes the drop of white rain very well. And uh, <laughs> looking at the weather over the next 24 hours, that doesn't look too promising. So, um, I've, as a fact, it looks fine tomorrow up until about 10 o'clock at night, where then we've got about seven hours worth of heavy rain. So we're not holding. We've already made plans in terms of a training session because that will be three weeks without a game now. Um, so it would be probably turn into a bit of a training session down the club followed by watching England in the clubhouse probably is uh, is probably how my Sunday is going to pan out which is a shame because we got War Warminster next week so we would have liked a game before we played them again um, since, first time since the final so um, but if not we've got Ilminster away and Ilminster is one of those games that if we are with a chance of staying up we have to beat them um, so it's uh, we'll um Hopefully we will be playing, but who knows? And yeah, and I, I did see. Um, I'm just going to flash this comment from Christian Backer because I did see you sort of made a, a a gesture towards it. Is this something you, you understand the point he's making here, and and to some degree, uh, yeah, you agree with? I think I was watching. Um, I was watching. I uh, was uh, listening to one of the team on broadband the other uh, the other week, and they were saying that. Although it's brilliant that they're playing at the county ground, and obviously they're very grateful for that, the atmosphere is better when they're in Foundation Park because, yep. as Georgia said, they're closer to the pitch and and stuff like that. And I think because because of the type of setup that Foundation Park is, naturally the sound just carries across the pitch a little bit better, you know, rather than echoing into the stand opposite. Um, so the fact that obviously what they got five county ground games next season and then, um, the, yeah. yeah and then um you know i think the ambition is the rest of them at foundation park um will make a massive difference and like I say if uh, I, I wouldn't be even be able to say how many seats they've got at foundation park but it isn't many um you know they've got two stands you know if they could possibly i don't know if there's a planning permission thing here as well if they could get other terrace stands in or even have like I can't remember which team it is that have kind of it's a non-league side that have fold-away stands um, mm -hmm. as well that they only get out for for the for the um, for you know big matches if you like even if they did that that might attract more people because um, there is that area behind where the seven aside goals are where the fences are quite tall so it's quite hard to watch from behind there and um, so yeah it's um, but yeah I agree with Cosy it's a fantastic facility I think. Um, you know, they've got the change rooms and all out there already. And um, so, yeah, why not try and um, get more of Foundation Park and do more with that? Because with it being 3G, it's protected against yeah. all weathers as well, pretty much. So the only thing is, I believe, and I hope I don't get the club in trouble for this, I don't believe it's, uh, set, it meets the criteria for National League, um, for the current league they're in. I think they get, they're get they okay at the moment. 
but I think there's new criteria coming in to do with the wheeled goals okay. um, and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting how they, because the way that the wheels are on the goals or something. Um, so it'd be interesting if there is any investment into Foundation Park to allow a higher level of football to be played there. Okay. Um, let's move on to the next topic then. Uh, and we're going to let Ben finish his yawn because I know he'll want to, to start this one off. The big news today uh, is obviously County Ground Purchase being complete. And uh, that, that was the tweet everyone was waiting for. It's all official, Ben. And uh, it's fair to say uh, you more than pretty much most in, in, our, um, in our chat were absolutely buzzing that it's all confirmed. Well, yeah, um, I think it gives us a sound, solid foundation and stability and a chance to move on. I think the reason, one of the main reasons why Swindon dropped behind all the other clubs in the 90s, because in the 90s, you know, your Wolverhampton Wanderers, your Derbys, all these sort of teams, we were playing a week in, week out, we were beating teams like this. They were no better or no bigger than us back in the day. Um, but the problem was, is they all redeveloped their stadium. They all invested into their stadium uh, and they moved on into the 21st century, which we still got left behind in the mid-90s and we just slowly drifted. I think Terry Brady, who came with a lot of money, um, wanted to invest, wanted to buy a reinvest into the stadium or buy a new stadium. Um, we couldn't do that for one reason or another. I think is it Donnan or another one, another wealthy owner tried to take Swindon on but failed because he couldn't get the stadium rights and couldn't move on with that. So gave up and moved on. Um, not owning the stadium has held us back. It's been a millstone round our neck. And the reason why we drifted from a good championship club into a mid-table League Two team. And I think now we've got that, we can have the solid foundations, build the counter ground, build the stand up and try and make up some ground and just be better and be bigger. And, you know, we've got the support. Let's have the ground for it and then... You know, we, we're not going to feel the benefits of this for years, years. It's not going to affect us this season. It's probably not going to affect us now season. We're not going to start work on it straight away. You know, we're going to have a boat on it, and then it's going to take a little bit of time to get planning permission, and then we can start work on the county ground. So it's going to be a long time before anything happens. However, it's ours. It's it's ours now. It's happening. It's going to happen. You know, it's good times are ahead. And, um, yeah, so it, 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 it's it's a good thing. Um. Gary, you can see the ticker along the bottom. I'm, I'm literally going to ask you that question. How big a step is this for Swindon Town? Well, it's it's a huge step in terms of where we can do and what we can do with the ground. Um, what I'd like to see personally is Ben said nothing can be done this year or next year. Well, why not? We own the ground. Now let's get concerts in there in, in, the, in the summer. You know, let's, when the, you know, when the pitch isn't being used, We've had Elton John and people in the past here. Now, I'm not suggesting we're going to get those now, but there must be ways we can get concerts in there. We can get the ground to be used in other ways. Um, let's find the, the, the chaps in, in, who are running the club are business people. So there must be ways that they can find to way to make extra money revenue for that club throughout summer months when we've got nothing else going on. The ground's being ripped out. The pitch is not being used. Let's find a way to actually make use of that ground for for other things. So I, I think it is, it's a huge step for the club. 
it it does feel like we we can move ahead. We start to plan. We can start to look at where how they're going to develop it, what they want to develop it. Whether there's a hotel, whether there's corporate box, all this sort of stuff that comes here that will create a revenue in the forward. Um, but it's down to the business people now to do that side of it and and take us forward in in the in, a, in the best way possible, really. Um. Jack, let me ask you, as a, as a younger supporter, um, how much does this mean anything to, to you? You know, like, for, for, for all intents and purposes, do you care that we now own the ground? Or are you, we kind of discussed it last time you were on, are you more interested in what's happening on the pitch as opposed to who owns the building? Well, you see, I quite like the stadium being built up because it means that we've got, we can do stuff with it. We can create better atmosphere. We can, you know, get more fans in the ground because when you've got a newer ground, it appeals to more people. But then when you've got, like, facilities and stuff, you can get more money, which then you can improve on the team. And then once you've got all that money to improve on the team, you get better performances and then obviously go up the leagues and stuff, which is something I haven't seen as obviously quite young supporter. Something a lot of us haven't seen, not, not just the uh, really young supporters. Sure. That's oldies in the top row that have uh, hogged it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Georgia, let me ask you then, um, we've obviously discussed this kind of thing before on the pod, but what would you like to see, whether it's something new within the site of the county ground or something improving at the county ground? What, what are some of the things you'd like to see get worked on? Um... I don't really know, to be fair. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with the county ground. <laughs> Joe, jo, no. <laughs> yeah, but Dad is a very opinionated person, so he's always going to have an opinion on something. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Is there is there anything... Okay, let me try it another way. Is there anything you could think of that would improve... You're, forget when you're hobnobbing it in hospitality. When you're just, when you're there for a normal game, is there anything you can think of that would improve your match day experience? Other than the team being better on the pitch. Well, yeah, that. <laughs> but in terms yeah. of the, the surrounding area or when you're in the stadium? Uh, yeah, again, I don't really know. Okay. Joe? How about you? Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot they can do, to be honest. Um, obviously, making a place look a bit more presentable is is obvious, but there's so much more they can do to for kids on a match day. I don't think there's a lot there for, for, for kids to do on a match day. Um, they've got the junior reds room, which is fine, but there's they need more than that. You know, they need stuff going on outside to... That links into Christian's point here. He says about uh, a fan zone. Yeah, exactly. We need, we need, and to the point that, that Gary made, they need to find ways of making money that are not just to do with the football. You know, they, they whether that be, you know, a big conference room for people can hire for meetings and, and things like that, or, um, you know, hotel, you know, a bit like the, the they're doing now with the, Helping the, the the homeless people and things with meals, you know, having even something even something where they can even sell meals cheaply or something like that, just to just to keep money ticking over in the club. All, all not just through the summer, through through 
every day of the you know every day of the year when there's no matches on and for and more than like say four hours twice a week. Exactly, yeah. And uh I think there's there's a lot they there is a lot they can implement and you know, even as even as a um nearly middle aged adult now, there's uh, <laughs> there's, there's not a great deal to do on a match day other than watch the match. So you know, I don't know primarily you're going there to watch the match, but obviously you know, children especially especially the youngsters that the kids want that they'll be enticed by things outside the ground, won't they? You know, Dad, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? Dad, can I go and do that before the game? Mm-hmm. Whatever. So, and yeah, I mean, I get the point that obviously a nicer stadium, people will want to go and see it, but the bottom line is the product on the pitch is going to get people in the door. So that's, it's got to go, it's got to go inside with, we got a nice new stadium, but yep. we're going to have a nice team to go and watch on it as well. So, um, Nick, on the flip side of this, um, th- this is obviously a, a big moment, and you've heard from the likes of Ben there about how significant a moment it is, but there are still plenty of people who are, um, let, let's say, re- reserved in their optimism over various elements, whether it's uh, the the lack of an actual plan of redevelopment, or even even I'm still seeing various negative comments towards the trust itself. I th- I, th- I think the way, from my understanding, it, the way it's set up, that we've gone down the right road. That it's a fifty fifty ownership model, yeah. which means the owner of the club can't do what he wants with it. And look at what's happened to teams like Derby, Coventry, Oxford. They, they've all moved to new stadiums and it's been a right mess because they've tried to mortgage them off. The owners kicking them out. Um, they've had issues with whether they can even play there at, like at Coventry. So from the way it's been done, that, that's a massive positive. Um, like like already been said, what we've got to be careful of, and, and there's a lot of moans that they've already said nothing's going to happen next season. So it's going to be the end of next season before things start happening. Um, but we've got to be careful that we don't throw everything into the stadium and, and all the facilities around it. So mm-hmm. I think that's quite a good thing. Is um, is already been mentioned, the most important thing is what happens on those blades of grass sort that out and and the rest will come because that will bring revenue in get us up a higher league that will bring more away fans in um and and then we can start doing all the corporate stuff so to me that that's that's the important thing um so on the basis of of where we're at I, i think we're in a in in a good place um it's really massive massive benefit that we're not moving away from the county ground and we're not going to have these brand new horrible standalone stadiums where it is is great um i, I say for me uh the seat yeah the seating could be better there could be more room there could be more um food outlets mansfield was quite good when we went there there were yeah. there were lots of little bars outside lots of food outlets lots of space um, home and away fans could mingle without any issue. Um, that you know that was quite a good setup because they had the room to do it. So um, hopefully, with now town owning all that ground, there's there's options there. 
um, in the more bars and food outlets, the more money you bring in. So there are probably things they could do next season without going into a major infrastructure change. So if they if they do the small things like that, and, and like Joe said, the um, you know things for the kids um, in, and to get them more interested. So yeah, it's a definite positive, um, and and it's the only way forward. So you know, fair play to everybody who's put a hell of a lot of work in to make that happen. And I know the trust has been getting a lot of criticism. Um, it, it, it seems people, you know, love having a moan at people, but um, those guys have put in a tremendous amount of work to make this happen. So, you know, fair play to them. And uh, we're there now. Um, and, and, and let's crack on. Buy a share in the club. Um, I think quite a few of us have already done that. Um, you know, it's, it's not much in 1969, um, you know, get on there, get that. And, and we're all part, feel, you know, an even bigger part of the club. So, yeah, it's, to me, it's fantastic. On that note, um, you're quite right, Nick. The majority of us, I believe, um, have got that voting chair thing sorted. Um, ha- and the majority of us as well also have kids. I don't know how many of you have, have been involved or, or have seen this, if any of you have, what's your take on the on the promotion from the trust for, for people to buy non-voting children's shares? Um, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting approach for me that they've, they've, they've sent this advertisement out for, for people to basically pay a fiver for their kids to get the same thing, but they don't get to vote. And basically all that fiver does is let the, the children take part in sort of surveys and, and that's it. I, th- I think from what I've read, I think there's, um, it, it's something to do legally that um, I think if they're under 18, that they can't buy a full share. I'm not hundred percent if that's a hundred percent correct, but I did see. Under 16s. Yeah. I, I, I guess it's again, to, to f- get people to f- feel involved in the club. So if it's a fiver, and they get a certificate saying, you know, you, you've bought into the football club. Um, again, it's it's a good move trying to involve people across all ages. I mean, I, I kind of get it from that perspective, but equally, how do I work? How do I work this to try and do the counterbalance? What is that fiver doing exactly? You know that what what. Is the because obviously it's the parents paying it. So say the parents already paid out the round figures, the twenty quid, whatever for theirs. What is that fiver actually getting them? Again, like I said, it's getting the the young youngsters having a link into the club, so that they can feel part of the part of the club. Because um, you know the mums and dads have all right, they paid the money up, but they've got something that they are for want of a better word, a member of Swindon Town Football Club. And and that's got to get the interest and in, in, in take it on from there. Uh, the next big question, obviously, Woody, is again one that we've spoken about times and Chris has kind of referenced it here. Um, what, what are you expecting to happen? Uh, is, is the stadium going to be named after... Did you think is is there going to be a statue? Is there going to be a stand? There's obviously going to be something, as we've said before, but it's it's which way do you think it's going to go? Um, this is, uh, and I mean this in the best manner. I don't 
think it will be the case of the stadium being named after him. Um, the reason being is because obviously they've just named the foundation indoor thing, um, uh, indoor thing after him, and I don't think. I mean, I was fortunate enough to meet Nigel Ely once, but the um, it, I don't think it's what he would want either. I don't think I know he's obviously left a legacy and all that. I don't think he would want everything named after him as a result of that. Um, I mean, I'm more for uh, you know. I hate to say it because it makes it sound big time, but a statue wouldn't go amiss. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, yeah, you know, if you're thinking of they want they want to create that kind of, not to the extreme of it, but they want that kind of Wembley walk. If you look at the original plans, they kind of want that walk into the ground, don't they? And mm-hmm. I think there's no reason why you can't have say Don and Nigel there. Um, you know, like like what Christian said, they're kind of like Nigel Eady complex or Nigel Eady Park would be good, and then you've got the county ground inside that. Um, you mm-hmm. know, that that could that could be good because regardless of what anybody says, none of this would have happened without him. So he, he definitely deserves something in there, you know, and something that's something that's going to resonate. Now, my problem is with Nate naming the ground here is unfortunately maybe even fifty years down the line money will talk and somebody else will buy the naming rights to the ground. Um, and uh, and we, we could all sports direct say, at St. James's Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 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 all know, we all know that we'll be up against it and nobody will want it to happen, but it will happen. Whereas if you've got kind of the whole area named after him, um, or like you say, you've got the statue in his memory and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, the fact that the fact that we've just got this is like the little snippets are just remind them of what he's actually done you know like um you know if we get the the conference center the nigel weedy conference center or whatever there has to maybe a room in that conference center named after him type thing the nigel weedy trust room or whatever um so yeah i think i i i really don't want to dishonor the guy i just don't think naming the stadium after him will be the right move i think it needs to we need those kind of like little tokens towards him um as well and um but yeah i mean we said i, I know you didn't ask me this question but you know we it's said fun. about like the, the thanks and that you know the trust of, 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 you know they do get criticism i've criticized them plenty of times um but people that kind of go behind the scenes like like um is it steve Mighton? is that how you pronounce his surname yep. um people like that who have gone you know relatively quiet throughout this process mm-hmm. but would no doubt be putting in the legwork behind behind the scenes so um, you know, and all of the, the lawyers that have given up their free time and, and stuff like that, because we know they ain't cheap. Um, so it's, um, you know, fantastic applaud to them, really. And I think the only reason I think it's getting maybe some negative pushback from what I've seen is that um, I think it's because it just because it feels like it's taken so long. And we know why we know why. But I guess mentally, it feels almost like quite draining. And I think. Swindon fans were still kind of living on that ten years of burn almost. Um, of so we're, we're just we're just not naturally a optimistic bunch when it comes to it. So, no. um, but yeah, I think um, you know there's so much they can do with it now. I think you know I massively agree with having some form of fan zone, um, as many people have mentioned. Um, you know. The money maker will be the conference center. Um, it always is. It did the Majeski a massive loads of favors. It did Bristol City a load of favors um, because there's so much you can do with that. If we can upgrade our corporate hospitality side, but 
if you look at the corporate hospitality boxes, to me, that's only going to be, those are the things that are going to be beneficial when the pitch gets better. Because with all due respect, if I'm, if I'm a guy taking my clients out and I say, let's go watch Swindon Town in corporate hospitality in League Two, it's not very appealing because I know the guy, ne- the, the, the kind of guy next to me is probably off with their Man City hospitality. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of, um, so we, yeah, we do need to go hand in hand. But I think the conference centre will be a massive, um, a massive plus hotel. Um, you know, I'll give or take a hotel. I'm not too worried about that side of it. Um, but yeah, I just think it's just so good to see that it's just generating into the, the foundation parks, a beautiful facility. Even when you look at like just from an aerial shot of everything, you've got the cricket club, you've got the foundation, you've got the athletics club, you know, like they could do, they could probably do a little bit of work to be fair, but you know, it just looks like a really nice big complex. And I think, if they sort out the Shrivenham roadside and the car park side and just made it, as Joe said, a bit more appealing on the eye, it, it could be a moneymaker off show days as well. Like the foundation could do a lot more stuff with, with the public. And um, like you say, the food outlets, we could have food outlets in there. We could have match only bars and all of that kind of stuff. It just, it would be so much, so much better. Um, and yeah, so aesthetically, yes, it needs a lot of work. We need to, we need to do a lot of work on that. Um, and I do wonder, I do wonder if it's, um, I can't work out what I would put as a priority, whether I would prioritise the outside or like the inside with the standing terraces and all of that kind of stuff. I think, I think I, 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 what I really want to see on, you know, on this great day of when the plans come out in say 12 months time is when we drive up to the county ground, we look like a fucking good stadium. You know what I mean? We, we just mm. look like that. You know, even you look at like Worcester Raiders, for example. I know they've gone, they've gone under, but their stadium's decent. You know, everything about that, and they're bloody Hellenic League football. I know they're saved by the rugby, but you know, in fact, they don't play there anymore, if I remember rightly. Joe might be able to correct me on that one, but um, it's you know, so you can look really, really good. Um, that will generate money in itself. So, um, yeah, the conference center is the big thing for me. I think that would be the money maker. Um, and yes, on a match day, let's get the fan zone out there. Let's get the open bar like they do at Mansfield and, and stuff like that. That'll be that'll be awesome. But but please, please, please don't come up with the excuses, club, in a year's time to say we couldn't put the money onto the pitch because we were too busy putting the money into the ground. If that comes out, they'll steadily lose all of this optimism and all of this uh, like excitement around it because this should be as uh, Christian just said. This is a fucking great day in a club. Not many clubs can go through what we've just gone through um, in terms of this. I've got my £19.69 share, as the other guys have. I'm thinking about the kids' one. I think it could do a little bit more. Um, but it's um, it's a fantastic day, and we've got we've got to look at it that way, that this hopefully is the day to take the club forward as a club. Um, we'll sort the team stuff out on another day. Okay. Um, the uh, j- Just a couple more uh things to to look at um uh neighborhood notices essentially um it's kind of already been mentioned um so i don't want to spend too much time on it um but what did everyone think when they saw uh the the fan interaction thing and swindon moving up the most amount of places uh from bottom of the table up to i think it was 20 if we all had our own our own opinions in the WhatsApp chat, varying people. Um, I mean, I, I was quite expressive in my views, but uh, 
But uh, Gary, let me start with you. Do you understand how Swindon have improved so much in that particular unit of measure? Well, it's clearly last year, not this year. <laughs> yes, well, quite. I didn't <laughs> like to say it. <laughs> because we've clearly scored an own goal this year with a blackout and bits and pieces like that, which, you know, it's we've clearly gone backwards this year. But we can argue with there there are slowly moving in the right direction. We are starting to see a bit more comms, a little bit more fan engagement. Um, some right, some not, but maybe the club are trying. So if we're making some progress, then long may it continue. Yeah, I think that was the the point you made there was very much the the thoughts of a lot of fans. Uh, Joe, would you agree that looking at the results, it was probably pre Christmas, maybe that that the majority of this data was collated because since Christmas, there's been lots of uh, sarcastic retorts towards clear and transparent communication from the club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean obviously, it's so much better than it was two years ago. You, you, you can't argue that. Um, the blackout things, I do sort of understand. You know, the club can't really say anything, so they're not going to say anything in those situations. Um, it's just... You know, 15 years ago, nobody would think anything of it with no social media around. But now everyone can have their opinion on things and things do seem to drag on a lot longer than they seem to used to drag on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it says perhaps some other clubs need to improve themselves if we've gone up that high, personally. Mm -hmm. um, I think it says more about... Uh, more about them. More about some of the other clubs than us, personally. I think we've, you know, we've done a good job to improve, but we've still got a long way to go. But I think, and uh, yeah, I think some of those, some of those clubs that are below Swindon should be given us hard look at ourselves, personally. Um, Georgia, can I ask you, uh, similar to some of the ways I phrased questions to Jack, as a younger fan, do you feel engaged by the club in in their output? Uh, whether that's social media and, and other forms of communication? With, oh, I, don't, I don't really know. And with their social media, it's a bit, you know, hit and miss. <laughs> yeah. So in that way, I think maybe a bit more like fan interaction like, you know how we get, like, the votes for, like, who we think man of the match and stuff? Yeah. Like, more stuff like that about other things. Yeah, I, I think understand that. Be, I think that would be quite, like, just to get, like, a fan's interpretation on the game. And in, a, in an era where, I mean, we are one of them, in an era where there's lots of fan-made content to bolster what's there, um, obviously, the, the although it's not technically the club, supposedly, it quite clearly is the club production of the life of the kit man that's, that's started coming out as well. Do you think adding things like that to to the club's belt of content is, is a good thing? Yeah, I think it is. Because, like, you get to see, like, what happens on, like, the inside, like, what happens behind the scenes, like, things we don't see. Mm -hmm. so I think it's, I think, I think it's quite good. And, uh, and Jack, same for you. How, how engaged do you feel from the club with, with what they put out currently? Uh, again, I feel we could probably be included a bit more. But same thing, votes and stuff like that. I think that'd be good. 
because once again you just get you get more of a fan's interpretation, especially from the younger audience, because quite a lot of the time we have different views. Uh, like older people, more experienced people, like yourself, I feel like Nick and Woody and stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I like how I like how the older people bracket ranges from me to Nick to Woody. <laughs> Cheers, Jack. But no, I, I do understand the point you're making there. Absolutely. I think they, I think one thing the club do need to improve is when they're sending tweets and things, especially think this annoys me on match days. If it's been shit, don't say we've been unlucky. <laughs> they want more they, honest social media out there. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're not gonna be rude and things like that, but don't turn around and say, oh, it's been a tough day at the office. We've had some bad luck. No, mate, we were shit. That's simple as that. They sugarcoat things way too much. Um, what a great honest. point it was on the weekend. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was fucking pointless. And it's like, yeah, things like, little things like that annoy me. Like when they're just blatantly sugarcoating stuff. And it's like, you don't need to do that. Everyone knows it was shit, mate. Just say it was bad. Uh, I, know we've had I, know I understand the guy's being paid by the club to put out content, blah de blah, but we're fans, we're not stupid. We know what we've seen. Right, some of us are stupid, myself included. Um, but we know we know what we've seen on the pitch. We know it's not been good enough. So you don't need to put out on Twitter, oh it's we've been unlucky against a good side today. Well no, we were just poor and we we're outplayed. Simple as that. We've had a, a comment in specifically for you here, Joe. Uh Joey first person I've ever known call you Joey. Yeah, that's Joey a very and Joey and Georgia on the panel on the same night. If I put my phone behind my head when they're speaking, it's like being sat at my seat at the CG. <laughs> yeah, yeah. PJ, uh, known him a long time. He sits in front of us uh, at football. So I'll be a lot louder normally when I'm behind him. So he's probably quite grateful that I'm being relatively calm tonight. Uh, in other news, Nick, uh, Fools Russian favourite Tyree Shea, who we uh, spoke about getting his international call-up, Played 58 minutes on his debut on Thursday. There you are. There's a player we've said. There's a player there. Um, I, I don't know what the standard is. Uh, I, actually, I don't even know what the result was in the end. I know they were winning 2-1 at one stage. Did they win they the won, game? They won 3-1. Right. So, I mean, you, you know, that's that's good for him. That's good for his confidence. Um, it's good for the club that, you know, we've got... More, well, I suppose we now back down to one international player. Now Johnny Williams is retired from the, the Welsh side. That's correct. Um, so, does it show we're developing players? I guess so. That he's got some recognition. Yeah. Mm, good, good without wishing to, to sound, I know this is going to sound more disrespectful than it should, but this is one of the nations where any sort of allegiance and you're getting called up. Yeah, of course it is. I, I don't disagree with you, Fifey. But at the end of the day, he can be quite proud that he's he's, he's oh, played sure. inter international sure. games. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know. And there's no taking that away from him. And 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 I guess for some people, they're probably glad that he is playing over there because he won't be available Saturday. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and not myself. I I still rate that there is a player in there. Um, he's probably not a 90-minute player. He's not a starter. When he's come on his sub in the last few games, he has made a difference. He, he's, you know, he's done well. He's set up goals. So, you know, maybe he's coming out of his shell. 
Um, so yeah, and any player that gets a level of recognition is good. So good luck to the kitty. And let's face it, Gary, if you were off for two weeks in the Caribbean, you wouldn't say no, would you? Well, considering what the weather's like at the moment, yeah, no, I'd happily take it. It's absolutely keeping <laughs> it down. 100%. Yeah, give me, give me that sun, sun and sand, and I'll uh, I'll go and play football for 58 minutes. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. <laughs> um, and I've also noted on the ticker coming up on Fools, which you mentioned earlier uh, when Woody was doing his debrief, we are... Very hopeful of having a few special guests next week from the women's team. We have also spoken about doing one more watch along um, for the game on Easter Monday. That's 98% confirmed. We'll be doing that for anyone not making the trip. So something else to look forward to, as well as a, uh, a, a large array of guests of opposition fans in the closing weeks of the season. I think we've got something like, Six or seven of the games covered with opposition fans coming on on the preview shows on the Friday nights or or the Monday nights for the, the couple of Tuesdays we've got left, uh, including Grant and Liam from Lower League Look. They've both agreed to come back on for their respective games at Hartlepool and Bradford, uh, among a number of others. Uh, so that is all still to look forward to between now and the end of the season. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're hoping the next watch along isn't a nil-nil draw, but even if it is, we're just hoping it's a significantly better game than the last one we did. Uh, but there will be more on that closer to the time. Um, Ben's had to go. Uh, he was clearly needing an early night. Uh, so we thank him for his time. We thank everyone who has watched along and anyone who will be watching or listening back. Um, but Gary, Joe, uh, Woody, Jack, thank you very much. Georgia, thank you as well for making your debut. Um, I like to ask people, um, for someone who's come on for the first time, would you recommend it to, to other people? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this and, is your uh, podcast, you shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> and Joe, would you recommend we have Georgia on again? Yes. <laughs> Uh, she's a bit too sensible for us, I think. So maybe. Uh... Um, I was a sensible adult last weekend. Yeah, yeah, you, you were the responsible adult during the sponsorship weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, that is a fair point. And uh, <laughs> what what better way to end the show than Dan saying, "Nice to see more than one cat make an appearance." <laughs> on FRI. Uh, thank you to everyone who's appeared tonight. Thank you to everyone in the chat. Uh, have a great weekend. Um, and let, let's hope for not only a good performance, but a good result on Saturday. We will see you again on Monday. But until then, from everyone at Fools Rush In, good night. No. Take my hands. Take my Yeah.